Shiladitya is Vice President Sales at CleverTap and hosts the hugely popular Shunya One podcast. So we picked his brains about podcasting, the importance of audio-video channels for leaders in influencing customers as well as employees. He has recorded over 150 episodes. So we asked him about how to get better at the craft of podcasting in the shows that he listens to. We also spoke to him about his experience at CleverTap how the world of sales and marketing is changing. How should people in these functions build future relevance? So if podcasts, startups, personal journeys, future of work are topics that interest you, then you will definitely enjoy this chat with Shilavitya Mukhopadhyay. This is the CTQ Smartcast, where we have conversations about up-leveling, deliberate practice and getting future relevant. Hi, Shailaditya. Welcome to the CTQ Smartcast. Hey, thank you so much. Hi, Arish. How are you doing? And thank you so much for having me. Yes. So, uh, you know, you are a, a trained, you know, podcast guest as well as a host. So, there are not going to be any easy trial balls for you. You want to start with a so-called tough one, you know, right off the bat. So, you know, first question for you. What do you know about podcasting that others don't? Oh, wow. Oh, okay. That's a good one. Uh, what I know about podcasting is it's surprisingly easy, right? People think that, you know, you for, to be a podcaster, you need to have like some gift of gab or, you know, an interesting setup or whatnot. But uh, the truth is I got into it with no preparation, no planning, no uh, prior uh, even understanding of it. And uh, here I am, some 150 plus episodes of a show and uh, uh doing, I hope, uh, you know, more of it every day. So yeah, podcasting is surprisingly easy. I tell people, whoever asks me that they, they ask me for pointers and say, you know, tell me what I can do, what I can learn. Uh, I say, uh, I say, usually, if you, you know, if you like uh, having a conversation with other humans, uh, you'll do fine. So that, that's all you need. <laughs> yeah, so the, what, what you're trying to tell me is don't be scared of it, right? Exactly. Exactly. Nothing to be scared of. Of course not. Don't be scared of anything. Uh, but uh, especially podcasting, uh, I think, uh, is very easy. And now in the days of, you know, Zoom and uh, where doing a call like this is sort of no is normal. Uh, you don't have to even, you know, worry about most people uh, being presentable and having an interesting background and, uh, you know, being having decent enough setup for their home calls. Uh, it's actually very easy. You just need to find the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like you mentioned, um, you know, Shunivan has uh, done 150 plus episodes yeah. now. Yeah. So, how has the show changed, you know, over these 150 episodes? If if you look back to you know the first few episodes and how things are now, how oh. has the show changed? Okay, that's also an interesting story, right? Because uh, when we started the show, uh, again, this is back in 2017. Podcasting was not as cool as it is, uh, you know, now, uh, you know, I think podcasting was very new, especially in India. Uh, I started this with my co-host Amit, uh, who's the founder of IBM. Uh, and back then, they were the only sort of mini studio doing anything in the podcasting realm. And the the background was that he said, listen, I, we, you know, uh, podcasting is all about creating content and tech and startups and entrepreneurship is is a good space, uh, obviously a well-talked-about space. I think uh, back then we were obviously the newspapers, the articles, everything. Startup, uh, you know, ecosystem had arrived. 
it had just not arrived on audio on podcasts. And he said he wants to do a show like that. I was, uh, you know, I just wrapped up my last startup. Uh, we were figuring out what to do next. I said, okay, I know a few people who might uh, oblige, uh, you know, coming and spending an hour of uh, their time with us. Uh, and mostly it was me thinking that, hey, I tend to meet a lot of entrepreneurs anyway. Uh, I usually, you know, back then you usually would, travel to another city or if there's someone was in town you used to say let's plan you know catch up over coffee or beer and just exchange notes right uh, the startup community is very uh, i would say you know open to sort of uh, this sort of osmosis of hey how are you doing how are you do how am i doing uh, it's also like a sneaky little status check on am i doing stuff right uh, because most founders are always you know whatever stage of success they might be in they always are questioning uh, what could go wrong next. So I was fortunate to know a lot of people and I said, okay, sure, let me try this out. Let me, you know, let's do the chat, which we would have done over beers or coffee, but with a mic in front of us. And uh, that would be the only difference. So we started out like that. And we started out also thinking that we'll talk a lot more about current tech and current market. Uh, but the show very soon evolved to, you know, telling startup stories and startup journeys. Of, of the individual founders who were coming on as guests because we saw that, I mean, most people actually wanted to hear about that. Mm -hmm. uh, and podcasting as a format also, I think, allows for you to talk a lot more uh, or, you know, go into a lot of depth, which you would not go into if you were writing the same thing in a blog post, you try to be more concise. Uh, if you were on a panel in, a, let's say, a, you know, on an event, you would be obviously speaking very sort of structured uh, talking points, your PR has, you know, allowed you to. So we soon realized that most people coming on the show liked telling elaborate stories and people like listening to it. So we've moved on to, you know, being very sort of personal uh, uh, zero to one stories, as, as the name suggests, Shunya one, uh, of uh, all the guests who come on the show, whatever they, whatever their path may have been right. to where they are today. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting. Um, you know, before I go deeper into that, I wanted to draw a, a parallel line. You spoke about how the show changed. How, you know, over the last three, four years now, how has the show changed you? Oh, wow. The show has changed me for sure. Uh, again, I think uh, I was one of those uh, little skeptic folks about, you know, doing something uh, which is not my natural, I would say, uh, format and again not that I had a, another like I was one of those folks who was never never into really writing a lot mm -hmm. uh, I mean I tweet uh, I like Twitter because it's you know used to be 160 characters I wasn't I didn't have my own blog post I didn't have my personal brand as such uh, where I used to sort of put content up and uh, the show actually sort of allowed me to do that I think now I definitely understand that uh, you know having doing this and being able to sort of maintain doing this as uh, as the show as the host of the show uh, you know being able to reach out to people who i otherwise did not have in my network uh, you know just to you know say hey uh, i'd love to have you on as a guest and talk about something and them obviously recognizing that yes this is a this is a credible brand it's one of those uh, you know of course now there are so many tech podcasts but i i try to underscore folks saying hey you know we were one of the first few ones so that's why we have so many episodes etc so i think the show has changed me because i i realized that this is uh you know good i would say uh personal 
capital for anyone to you know uh, build i think uh, i see the value of it now i see the fact that you know being able to have a platform like this uh being able to like i said get people uh, have access to people and share that with the, the audiences is a privilege and i want to keep doing it uh, as long as i can so that's what's changed me i i always start stuff with no expectations uh because i know things can bomb again that's the founder uh, mindset uh but once things start rolling now i feel i have a responsibility so i think that's what's changed me right yeah yeah so if you were to you know you you mentioned a couple of points here right where you said you you spoke about your personal social capital that gets yeah. created there's a body of work uh, you know yes. of yours on the internet now right and i can Uh, i can get a peek into your mind the way you are asking questions what gets you curious when when you know a guest says something what are the kind of questions that you ask even though we met 5 years ago i still have now yeah. a, a very fair idea of you as a person right because of mm-hmm. the kind of questions that you are uh, asking this could be a great thing for leaders and founders not just for small companies you know startups entrepreneurs but even for the larger companies right and we have mm-hmm. some examples of some of these leaders like i think ravi kumar s of infosys has a great uh, you know podcast that that he hosts but there are lot of you know entrepreneurs who are also doing this right so what would your advice be to these people in terms of you know starting a podcast should they be starting with this objective of building social capital uh, or should they be looking at it primarily from the perspective of learning and you know should they have that you know that that marketing layer on top of it or should it be a very personal individual pursuit of you know just meeting interesting people so yeah let me try to break that down a little bit the way i see it right uh, among the questions you shared so i think having social capital is a you know no longer a choice for especially a founder Right. Uh, or you know someone trying to build a company building a company uh, requires you to be the spokesperson of the company the you know the torch bearer of why we are doing this uh, not just externally but also internally right i mean for you to let's say attract talent uh, for people to join you on your mission to you know uh, scale your brand you are the you are representative of your uh, you know of your startup so you can't say that i won't be on twitter i will not have a social profile i'll just sit in my office and do my work uh, anymore unfortunately that's not the game being played uh, globally so mm-hmm. that's unavoidable and i think uh, having a podcast or any sort of you know so sort of personal brand content just is an extension of that if you do it well uh, it can accelerate your you know uh, you know your growth your i would say uh, your presence in you know whatever domain you are trying to build a company in in fact uh, you know before before going into what hosting or running a show might do uh, even showing up and being on such forums uh, is itself a first step and i think uh, i've had founders who showed up on our show actually come back and tell me that you know uh, i've people have seen your show and i found investors because of that uh, people have seen uh, heard me talk about my startup on on trinivan and you know i've had employees who you know who've reached out and joined us so clearly there is momentum in uh, which will get formed if you even participate in this conversation uh, wherever that may be uh, when it comes to building your own uh, it's i think that's where uh, you know that's where people start to identify you as 
original sort of thought leaders. Uh, it's just like writing your own blog post. It used to be that. It used to be like writing a, a op-ed in a new newspaper once in a while. That used to be the old school version of what we're trying, what is happening today maybe, right? Uh, okay. But I think your own show, your own podcasting channel or at least some sort of uh, outreach uh, channel is, uh, is a good, is a very good place to start on the personal brand. Uh, especially because it lends your own voice to things mm-hmm. instead of just your writing. Uh, you know, it's your own voice, your own thought process. People see and hear you in your own words. Uh, you get to say a lot more uh, than, you know, trying to put in uh, just in just in the, you know, uh, literally sense. Uh, and uh, the marketing and, you know, branding there is nothing but just doing it well. Mm-hmm. I think uh, that's also one of the things I learned in this journey, by the way. Uh, you've we uh, people have had podcasts around for a while uh, like i said the journey in india it was uh, very little uh, but whatever little was happening was also happening in a very amateur way mm-hmm. like people had their own uh, you know channels your youtube channels had started but we saw that the production quality and sort of a little bit of planning and a little bit of i would say uh, you know packaging mm-hmm. definitely helped uplift your content above the others and that's that's something i think is now commonplace not just podcasting it's videos youtube videos it's it's now come down all the way to like uh, social media right if your instagram is nicer looking and well organized you tend to people tend to gravitate towards it because as an audience we are just we're purveyors of quality right so we if you have a well produced uh, content people just absorb it better People uh, like to go back to it. They feel that it's high quality uh, and they should listen uh, and they should absorb it more. So yes, I think if you can afford it or if you really want to sort of use that space as a you know real big uh, brand builder for yourself, you should invest in the production quality. And I'm sure your marketing department will be more than happy to uh, help you out there. Right, right. Having said that, Shiladitya, one thing that we noticed in the last, year, I mean, post-March 2020, when sort of the whole world changed, right? Yeah. Uh, when people moved to the remote and hybrid, uh, hybrid was is more of yeah. a 2021 thing, but when people started working from home, a uh, lot of the slightly older leaders realized that audio-video is now a very important part of even being a leader, right? Yes. Uh, because they suddenly now had to connect through these uh, channels. Uh, they had to again build this, you know, they had to show up regularly, they had to be convincing, persuasive enough and a lot of people struggled, especially the slightly senior ones, right, because this was just not their, you know, their style. The natural style, yes. Right, right. So what would your advice be to these kind of people who are probably still trying to get to terms to this or, you know, people who are just getting to this because you know, this is a very important part of building a culture in a company, right? You have to build that whole narrative. If you're talking about some values, these, these are the ways in which those values are going to get propagated. So what is your advice to leaders who are... Correct. Actually, this is, this is a very good uh, question. And I think I've, you know, had this, I've had a conversation similar to this a uh, few times with others who have struggled with the same thing, right? Uh, again, most leaders, again, uh, good leaders in their own right, uh, even before pre-pandemic, were always still seen as good leaders, uh, whatever little you knew about them, right? Uh, it's more so internally. I think what people uh, have 
any founder or any leader does in their companies they we do all the hands we do sort of company meets we do off sites we do, a lot of culture building happens internally for the company uh, what has had what has what the pandemic has what about is that for even those internal events now you have to use let's say this audio and video medium right so while that has itself been like a technology change for most people right that is at one uh, at one level it's also allowed for them to now do this sort of semi internal and external presence right so i think people who have people who are used to doing you know a lot more speaking to their own teams have sort of transitioned to this easily it's just been a platform technology changes what it seems like right instead of me coming and talking say in, in a town hall i am now doing this over a multi hundreds of windows of zoom Uh, not to be honest it's not the same effect i don't know how i don't know how the kids are doing it in school also by the way because even that's one of those things for most other people who have not sort of made that made that transition yet from audio to video or not able to do it i think my advice is uh, start doing the internal team meetings a lot more i you know this is uh, not just because of not just to build this personal brand and to get used to this format but i think that's also one of the things i've seen companies have struggled with in the last year and a half right i've heard a lot of folks uh, saying that you know when they were in the office they used to meet their leaders and their their founders i mean depends on how big or small a company you were but you used to have this culture which used to absorb indirectly or you know through various people in the office uh when it's when the world has become remote and especially when you're joining with more people joining new uh, co- newer companies while they were remote this is something which has become a big sort of gap uh, at least initially uh, i've heard that you know people are not able to associate with the company or their leader because they only show up on a handful of calls and they talk about a few things and you know and they some guy listening is the 250th zoom window who will never make eye contact with you so it's been hard but the ones who have successfully done this uh, i've seen that they've done this by over investing a little bit at the start right are uh, doing more uh, conversations showing up instead of doing a all hands once in a quarter we've had folks do one all hands once a month right so leaders showing up more often uh, has two outcomes one is your company sees more of you uh, which they otherwise were missing because you know otherwise they would have seen you in the office and in and around things uh so that that's one effect so it builds your culture fundamentally and second you for you as a leader it makes it forces you to sort of take on this format a lot more and it makes you get better at it i've seen that people used to uh, struggle for feedback on on zoom calls right uh because if you're talking to a whole room of people you don't know whether you know you don't get a sense of how many people are nodding their head they're smiling or what not so people used to have they used to struggle into whether or not their words are being heard uh, after some time you get a sense of you know after doing this you know when to pause when to ask a question when to sort of how to sort of put a cadence to the kind of topics that you will be talking if you have five things to speak about uh, people have gotten better at making the kind of slides they used to uh, versus in person versus video so you get used to you get better at it uh if you do it more often i think that's the one single piece of advice i think instead of avoiding you know speaking opportunities you have to actually do the exact opposite you have to create more of them 
than you would normally have with you your with your team and with with uh, with the company and the same will happen externally as well i mean the moment you get used to it i've seen people now uh, take it to the other extreme as well like they can't stop talking everywhere uh, which is also it's not a bad thing at all uh, yeah yeah in fact that that brings me to uh, another point shilavitya where we've been we work a lot with you know companies especially smaller companies uh, which are trying to Uh, propagate their culture right we help them sort of align on their culture manifesto and then it's about okay we've created the manifesto but everyone needs to actually you know keep reinforcing Execute. that uh, yeah. on a continuous basis and there what we've seen is it has almost even on an in the internal world it's almost become like a content machine now right, right. because uh, you know if you don't have those physical cues and you know in person meetings it is these you know content pieces channels that are going to actually you know make sure that these values are being understood by everyone you know everyone gets what we are talking about Can and I- in fact both synchronous and asynchronous right because uh, everyone is working at their own yeah. you know schedule now so you can't get everyone to you know come on to a live call uh, every day right so you have to create a lot of this content keep it you know available for people to check out at 2 am because you know that's the slot that works for that person right so yeah. but doesn't work yeah. for everyone else but you need to make it available and this is where what we've been seeing is people who have been using these sort of techniques and tools for the external world right where marketers have been using these things in order to reach customers Correct. and all of that Uh, th- we are you know actually get- getting to start you know seeing these things employed with your internal you know employees exactly. as well right uh, exactly. in fact culture is like they say culture is a product uh, you know and and yeah. your employees are yeah. your consumers or customers for that right absolutely absolutely very i totally agree and uh, that's one of those things right you have we have had to consciously do uh, companies have had to consciously do this uh, otherwise say you just lose the essence of the team you were trying so hard to build you know over the years uh, whether you are an exist whether you were founded in the pandemic or whether you were had to transition into it you know so yeah i completely agree it's one of those things it's a audio and video as a content mouthpiece is now a mainstay of every type of uh, you know audience you are dealing with internal external um, yeah completely yeah, yeah. agree in in fact i wanted to you know start talking about clever tap in this context but before that you know your personal journey so how did you you know how did clever tap happen in your life oh wow it's a good story there too i think it starts with the, the podcast itself right like i said i was i wrapped up my last uh, startup uh, which i was building uh, you know and again it folded up uh, after a lot of attempts of trying to build uh, mobile payments uh, which was which we were way too early for clearly as the world has shown uh, but I, i started doing the podcast uh, as a step one to again come back to you know what to do next right as a founder you also want to feel inspired uh, to build something which is i, I some is somewhat a personal challenge for you as well right because the most passionate ones are the ones who don't uh i don't operate just on the math of building a startup like right. oh what is a big company problem what is a big which has a big addressable market etc yeah. it also needs to resonate with you personally mm-hmm. uh and in order to discover that uh 
I obviously was, you know, clued into the rest of the community, understanding what others are building, what is hot, what is, you know, interesting, what are those interesting challenges to pick up. And that's how the podcast started, in fact. Uh, the selfish motive behind the podcast was I'll be able to meet some interesting founders and, uh, you know, understand their growth stories, which will probably inspire mine. And, uh, you know, in the course of that, obviously, I knew the folks at CleverTap, I knew Anand, uh, yeah. uh, the founder there, uh, personally from quite some time. Uh, we spoke about, uh, you know, working together uh, in various ways well before that. I think uh, I was a user of CleverTap as a product myself in, the, in my own uh, products. And, uh, you know, what led to, you know, me jumping on board was also that we were at a stage when product had sort of matured. Uh, it was you know, it was just out in the market. It was, uh, it was a more, uh, it was a free sort of for developers, for startups only uh, platform. But we could see that there was immense potential. We could see that there was uh, potential for this to, you know, become an enterprise product and the world of SaaS uh, as, as it stood, uh, you know, was open for us for the taking. Uh, why I jumped on board again was a, a similar personal uh, sort of a partially selfish motive and I've told this to Anand so I can talk about it. Uh, you know, I said that this is, I'm, I'm always going to be on the lookout for doing something of my own uh, because that's just my natural, I would say, uh, rhythm because I try to always solve problems uh, and see if I can build a company around it. Uh, but I, why I, uh, you know, jumped on board was because I saw that CleverTab as a company was doing that as a product itself, right? What we are, we are a, just like any other SaaS platform, we help companies solve a certain piece of their problem. And one of the, the biggest problem we help solve is growth and retention uh, with our with CleverTap. And at the time, the India market and the entire startup ecosystem, and even now more so, uh, was at a juncture where everyone's trying to solve this growth problem, right? Everyone was looking at how do I get to my, you know, how do I uh, uh, retain my, you know, millions of users that I'm acquiring, how India was at the peak of its, you know, uh, uh, at the start of its sort of growth story uh, with Geo having just launched and, you know, all these startups coming out from the weeds. So for me personally, it was a chance to look inside at what drives the growth of all of these big companies and big successful startups, right? Whether you look at a Zomato today or you look at a Paytm or all of these guys, for me, as a part of CleverTap, I could be, yeah, I could understand what went into, you know, go, growing those companies uh, as, a, as, a, as a vendor, as a, as a partner in that growth. Uh, and I thought that was a, you know, once in a lifetime opportunity for me to actually learn that because uh, as a founder, I would have the same struggles. If I were to build a, uh, you know, company to, tomorrow, I would also need to crack growth. I would need to crack retention. I would need to crack all of these sort of technological yet market, go-to-market sort of uh, challenges anyone has, right? Uh, depending on what you're building, if you're building a fintech company, if you're building a food tech company or ed tech company, you all have a formula that you need to sort of employ. So for me, CleverTap was one of the best places to do that from the inside. Uh, and now here I am four years later, uh, just going from one challenge to the other. We've grown the company, uh, you know, from when I joined, we've grown it uh, almost 10, more than 10x. <laughs> so it's been quite a journey. And uh, yeah, this is, uh, that's, that's how CleverTap happened back then. Uh, and the story so far has exactly been that, right? 
uh, we've kept on helping more and more companies uh, do you know solve their uh, growth and retention challenges uh, whatever kind of company you may be right right yeah so so coming back to growth and retention like we were talking about earlier right so um, clever tap clearly you know uh, deals with external markets these days right with the customers mm-hmm. but if you know content and internal employees becoming you know consumers of your culture content is important correct then again you are talking about the same two metrics right <laughs> how yeah, do you yeah. you know retain and how do you keep them uh, engaged so do you see that happening uh, is is that already happening or do you see that happening in the near future where uh, you know a platform like clevertap is being used for actually yeah, yeah i mean well not not clevertap maybe uh, because as a product we are definitely geared for let's say uh, b2c right. sort of uh, use cases uh, but i've seen i've started to see this already in let's say the kind of hr products that mm-hmm. uh, companies use right we've seen again like most companies we have a we have a slack channel and slack sort of became this de facto alternative uh, of where company communication happens right uh, we have a lot of now companies who are building this sort of uh, building engagement gamification uh, retention all into let's say into your slack itself we have uh, people uh, we have hr and payroll uh, company uh, platforms which used to be the most boring i would say of uh, tools you have to use uh, again most employees have to use it only because they have to not that they really want to do any more uh, hr related work again i may be uh, sounding like i'm bashing the hr community but i'm not totally i think it's i think that that space has evolved had to evolve so much more in the last uh, year and a half because of okay. you know you have to do so much more to now retain employees than you had to before at least you could give them the perks when they were in the office now when they're behind a laptop screen uh, that to when they want to be uh, you hardly have access right? right so that's where i've seen tools evolve i think there's a lot of stuff happening say uh, like i said on slack where companies are hosting built in quizzes uh, with their team they're hosting social hours they're hosting uh, a whole bunch of personalized gamification let's say around you know how much how many hours you are working there are tools which now help you uh, not not for the not for the uh, you, you know the regimented use case of how many hours you are working for you know for telling the company but in fact the opposite to tell you when to take a break right uh, or tell you when to you know uh, when uh, a few other perks for, of the company are available to you which you should utilize so i think that's that sort of internal uh, uh, personalized engagement has massively increased and there are tools for it uh, yeah. and there are all, all, i'm only going i'm sure that we'll only see more of that yeah. uh, as we evolve as we get used to all of these things correct correct yeah yeah coming back to your uh, you know sales role at uh, you know clever tap right how yeah. uh, has the last you know 18 months how has this changed your role and the way you work and you know the way you sure. sell how has it changed yeah and that's a good point and let me first talk about why i even jumped on to the sales bit yeah, right uh, yeah. and again this is uh, i want to share this because it might be very relevant to others who uh, are at a similar decision making right. point right a lot of people uh, i was not a i was not a i would as you would say a career sales person mm-hmm. right i didn't have i didn't do an mba 
I didn't, uh, you know, uh, join join as a sales trainee and then climb the ranks in a sales organization or a sales uh, function. Uh, I was, I had, had my only experience was building my own companies, and you do a fair amount of selling as a founder as well. You just do it with a whole different level of passion because it's your own product, right? It's your own baby, and you. Selling that comes organically to you. Most people, when they are faced with joining a sales role, this is the first thing which they feel is a big blocker. Right? I've had people come to me uh, and say that, "Hey, I've never done sales in my life. I'll probably not be good at it." I tell them that I've said the same thing myself when I started here because I said, "Listen, I've only sold what I knew or what I could talk about." Hmm. Uh, but that actually is one of the prerequisites of just being a good salesperson for anything right. so whenever you join a sales job you don't have to have sold in your life before you only you should be able to talk passionately about anything for that matter if you have read a book uh, which you really love or if you've seen a movie which you really love uh, and that's sort of your go to anecdote or your go to uh, you know reference point in your conversations with friends you are selling it and that's what that's what is being you know asked of you here so when you join a sales com- uh, company in a sales role understand that the first requisite requirement is that you know what you're selling if you do that job right if you invest your time and effort to understand your product or you know whatever uh, whatever function that you're uh, whatever company you're joining you'll automatically be good at sales uh so that's the first thing which i also sort of broke the mold with myself i said okay listen if i'm going to be good at this i need to understand pervatab as if it were my baby as if i were the founder and i think that's and we actually started doing that we built uh, i i built a team around myself which focused on understanding the product as deeply as anyone in the founding team or anyone in the product team or the engineering team as much as you could would understand the product if you didn't you wouldn't be able to sell uh, and in fact we sort of came up with a, a concept what we call you know uh, just like you have full stack engineers uh, which is a proper concept we call it full stack sellers now so what full stack selling in servertap and now hopefully elsewhere is that you are not just the mouthpiece of you know what you're selling but you're also the solution designer you're also the person who gives demos you're also the person who by and large solves technical queries uh, if not you know obviously not expecting you to write code but you're you have a sense of what goes where how things work uh, and you are pretty much the you know the whole soul of answering any buyer's questions and when you do that uh, which we which we did uh, at clevertap and continue to do we saw we saw the success rates are so much higher because the person on the other side ultimately doesn't want to talk to a sales person right i mean the notion is when you're talking to a sales person you're being sold so that's the first mental barrier you have to break you're not trying to sell to the person you're trying to solve a problem mm-hmm. uh, and if you come across as a more knowledgeable person trying to solve their problem you automatically win their favor mm-hmm. and uh, that is again i know this is a little bit of sales gyan but that's exactly what started uh, that's what we started indoctrinating at servertap when i jumped on board and we've been doing that for the last 4 years very very successfully uh, the last year and a half has obviously been completely different when it comes to the method of selling i mean we obviously used to do a lot more meetings we used to right. show up used to you know 
do a lot of stuff in person because mm. again the market whether it's india or abroad was used to that right okay. people were used to people sales people and teams showing up mm. giving you a presentation giving you a demo Mm-hmm. what we realized in the year and a half is that since we're selling a digital product right and we're also by and large selling to digital companies what right. i mean by digital companies is that their own product in which we integrate right whether mm-hmm. is usually a digital product like right. let's say you have a mobile app or you have a mm-hmm. website this sort of these two things certainly were in favor uh, you know uh, uh, the pandemic was sort of accelerated mm. adoption of digital products and that's why selling those became i wouldn't say easier but it definitely uh, didn't have the handicaps of you know selling remote mm. people expected now that if i'm buying a digital product i will converse with whoever i need to uh, digitally i mean i will we'll set up a zoom call we'll see a live demo on screen we'll you know uh, exchange notes uh, on how this integration happens they don't they didn't hold the fact that you know there was no person right there in the room with them uh, you know against us when it came to buying something like this i think that's what we saw as a big uh, leveler for us in the you know in in our market because unlike other folks where you were buying let's say if you were buying a physical product you needed to sort of i'm sure there were troubles with people who had to sell you know goods and services which were a lot more physical but for digital goods and services like ours uh, it actually became easier we were able to multiply our i would say time because i could jump from a meeting with someone in bangalore to a meeting in someone in delhi within an hour mm-hmm. uh, instead of a day at minimum before mm-hmm. right so uh, we i would say we were very we were fortunate to be on the the good side of the pandemic uh, when it came to growth especially because we are a digital company and uh, we were able to leverage that uh, quite successfully to grow again uh, more than uh, more than what we anticipated to be very honest uh, in right. in 2020 yeah. yeah so you know what i'm also hearing is shilajit that you know the world around you changed but you were sort of Uh, prepared for that because you had already taken that stance of your sales teams being these full stack sellers right which is why yeah. it was so much mm-hmm. easier to adapt to this change so what would you say you know people who are working in sales and marketing functions how should they be you know working towards building their future relevance because it's not the end of it the world is going to continue right. to change right you right. probably have vr ar or Now, whatever is the next thing that yeah. will change yeah. uh, change their the metaverse is upon us yeah yeah so but yeah. you know how should individuals be thinking about staying future relevant in the sales and marketing function in a world like this sure i think it's a good question because we face it day in and day out right uh, as a sales team if we came up with something which is 4 years ago uh, and if you're running the same uh, show in 4 years uh, i'm let me be honest we are not evolving we are not right. going to be successful there's someone smarter out there uh, doing something better and while we were better prepared i would say again because of the market we were dealing in we were better prepared uh, and we were able to sort of capitalize on you know digital selling i have also seen a lot more digital selling which we are which we are ourselves not doing yet hmm. happen around me uh, and uh, you know things like today also we try to see we try to set up a call we set up a meeting we you know get uh, get people to show up and do a demo and that's how you sell 
I have now seen a next step of, you know, uh, preempting that with, let's say, you know, sending video messages as well. Mm-hmm. I've seen people now really start using video and audio as we were talking about earlier in the show as a content piece, even while selling. Like today, instead of getting an email, I've gotten emails with a video clip of the person talking to me. It's almost like a, you know, voicemail, uh, a FaceTime voicemail of sorts. And that is a lot more personable than just some person writing an email to me. Uh, think about it. And this is when I'm, I'm talking about people selling to me, right? And I've seen that uh, that little bit of added human touch to that email uh, makes me want to at least acknowledge them. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, there's so many cold emails, which, you know, people just ignore. I've seen that this little bit of, you know, personalization of someone putting their video, saying my name and speaking in context instead of it just being sort of a master last emailer uh, makes me want to uh, humanly want to reply to that person and say hey you know let's do this or let's not do this so i've seen that sales tactics and sales methods have evolved even more uh, in the pandemic uh, because people have had to right people have had to out innovate the market and uh, so while we ourselves were, like I said, a little maybe ahead of the curve, we still have a long way to go. Uh, and sales and marketing as a motion will always keep evolving with, uh, you know, that's the whole point of it also. You have to break through. Uh, sales is all about breaking through, uh, getting that one or two sort of leads through uh, while trying so many uh, methods out. So I think audio video is a big, big part of that and now since you spoke about the you know metaverse and whatnot i think the more you know you have to this is another the sort of common cliche of sales you also have to be where your buyers are right uh, in the old world this used to be let's say why people used to go to events that you know why you used to do a booth and you used to do an event and you used to do whatnot now those are rare Right. Uh, even I'm I'm hoping the world opens up so that we all can go back to those because I miss it. But you also have to now be where your otherwise your buyers spend more of their time. I've seen now SaaS companies like ours who sell digital B2B tools. They never cared so much about let's say Instagram or about social media where you know like probably just Twitter. But they've never cared about the more popular B2C sort of social media outlets. Mm-hmm. But now I'm seeing them do that because they've realized that the person buying on the other side spends some time on social media like a human, just every other human as well, right? right. So why should they only be bombarded with uh, Coke and Pepsi ads or, uh, you know, Cred and Unacademy ads? Why not a Clever Tap ad or right. anything else that they might be buying in or spending? You spend so much time in a tool, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you would think the brand should be more visible to you. And that's true. So I've seen B2C comp- B2B companies who used to not prefer this, the, the, the new age social media also going there. People are, you know, B2B companies are uh, sponsoring, uh, like I said, Instagram stuff. There are folks who are, you know, doing it on Snapchat. Uh, there are people doing uh, Clubhouse. Uh, Clubhouse has become a big, you know, again, a great audio medium. So you have to be where the buyers are. Uh, and you have to do whatever it takes to, you know, be heard uh, in the new and evolving markets. I'm sure we'll have a metaverse booth uh, soon. 
from right. uh, most of our uh, b2b brands yes yeah 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 so uh, you know you you mentioned couple of things in which you know about which you said that you know that personable and the human touch is what you know got you interested in say opening that email uh, a flip side of that is individuals today also need to prepare how to work with non human coworkers right uh, you know you now have ai based tools which can probably create content as good as uh, a yeah. content writer but it has to be you know like like you said if you just do a mass mail with just you know that content created it's not going to work so there has to be the human touch uh, a lot of the things that can be automated that a, a program can do better you should be you know doing that so how should people be thinking about you know working with non human colleagues wow so non human colleagues i'm sure most people haven't even embraced that thought uh, to be honest i think a little bit of ai that you we might be already interacting with uh, on a regular basis is like i said just the slack bots and what other right. things have you uh, so i think it's it's a great uh, it's a great future thought right because this is where uh, this is the future of uh, most people's work whether we like it or not Correct. we will be dealing with some sort of other some sort of artificial non human interactions and we have to be prepared for it i think uh, i think the opposite is actually happening first i think there people are trying to train ai to be a lot more human so that we you know we don't feel that we are talking to an ai i think that's what people are really trying right i think uh, like whether it's these automatic emails or whether it's the like the same slack bots or anything everyone's trying to make them seem more human so that it uh, you know builds uh, bridges the gap between us trying to deal with let's say a, a dumb robot or something like that but as a person how to prepare i think uh, you have to be prepared that uh, non humans are a lot smarter than humans in when it comes to when it comes to data and it, when it comes to this world we are living in right uh, this is this is a non human uh, first world right uh, the the digital world means uh, non human ai have bot has access to way more resources than you and me have when we sit on a laptop we are still very human in our capabilities of searching and finding data and uh, building connections and what not whereas a non human bot is way way faster so i think we have to first adapt to doing what we are good at and maybe you know staying keeping those human uh, things with us and abstracting and outsourcing all the non human uh, efficient tasks to those colleagues i think that's what we have to be prepared for uh, which which also is a interesting you, you know point now i'm while i think aloud to back to what we started talking about first right why is content such a relevant piece uh, now our personal brand content or whatever just creating content why is it so much more important now Uh, in the world when content in general has exploded right it's more important because only true human real original thought is what will probably shine through uh, especially when when even the bots now you have ai copywriters also right so <laughs> right so when all of that is done when you have ai video when you have ai everything only true original thought and original content is what will hopefully shine through so right. it matters all the more that you get good at it uh, yeah. you know uh, 
I, uh, that's what I would say. Yes, add your own voice, and and uh, you know, I think that's what is going to. Yeah, and and do the human parts of it. Do some things which machines still can't. Correct, correct. Which is day by day, very little, but uh, I'm sure <laughs> we'll 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 still hold the upper hand, hopefully for a few decades. <laughs> right. So, Shilai, the last few questions. Um, you know, what are the books, people, podcasts that you would recommend to say founders? you know who want to build future relevance for themselves or for their teams well wow, lots lots of them i mean i'm not uh, a big uh, book reader as as most other uh, folks in my community uh, or you know founders at large are uh, that's the honest truth uh, i've read few books i try to read as much as i can uh, among i try to listen and watch a lot more i think uh, that's that's where uh, my lot more consumer of let's say audio and video content but you know i've read a few books which have helped me along uh, all this while i i think the one which most times i've spoken about is zero to one because that's the one book which led to shunya one and that to a few other startup ideas as well and there are now you know much more uh, better versions of that and uh, you know much a lot more startup books out there so i won't mention too many uh, but i think uh, when it comes to podcasts and content i think that's where a lot more there's a lot more relevant treasure trove of stuff uh, which you might find uh, if you haven't uh, most people have if they haven't yet heard the original sort of series of masters of scale i think that was a really good uh, series of podcasts uh, which you know spoke about all these big companies we see around us today uh, i i know there are Uh, similarly a bunch of other uh, post shunya one uh, now there are a lot more tech podcasts uh, there's one run by axel uh, which is really nice uh, which again has access to the same kind of let's say builders of you know uh, podcasts uh, that you know uh, builders of uh, large companies in india especially obviously the folks in the startup ecosystem in india today uh, whether it's your story or all of these guys they've all evolved into doing some great uh audio visual content and i think they're uh, you know very relevant folks to keep track uh, get a pulse of uh, what's happening in the market so yeah these are your everyday sources and but the biggest one i think is just uh, have your own voice uh, be uh, where like i said your audience is so if you don't have a twitter yet uh, which is rare uh, you should be on twitter uh, if you if you like if you're jumping into audio you can try clubhouse uh, it's a little mixed bag right now i think uh, they've uh, gotten a little chaotic i don't know what the next platform is going to be there uh, but yes be on twitter and follow some interesting people i think you'll and contribute to the conversation if you contribute to the conversation you automatically discover a lot more good interesting content for yourself all right so final uh, section shilavita where i ask for your hot takes on on certain things so sure. what do you think is the future relevance of traditional startup centers like you know bangalore gurgaon hyderabad mumbai in india and even say silicon valley what do you think is the future relevance of of these traditional centers i think they are still going to be relevant for a while uh, mainly because the while talent is no longer going to be centralized to those places i think talent is now distributed right your coders and programmers or copywriters or whatever marketers your talent is now going to be fully distributed but those centers are going to be relevant as the you know the hubs mm-hmm. of your of your startup because 
while whether you like it or not the ecosystem still is sort of hinged around these centers so i have to i have to be in bangalore if not if not for my own team but for my customers hmm. if i have to be in bangalore if not for my uh, you know for my employees but for maybe my the investor community or for my peer network hmm. as founders so i think leaders and core teams will still have to be in these sort of uh, in you know these uh, epicenters of of the startups but the team is going to definitely be fully uh, fully remote like in, think of it as this way right it's a, it's the week of ipos in india i mean it's a season of year of unicorns or what not whatever <laughs> whatever you want to call it uh, these guys are all uh, happening because they exist in these microcosms of like too much money being thrown at you too much uh, you know there's just abundance in these epicenters like if you are a startup today in a tier 2 com- country in india you have to first get known and be discovered it's a lot more easier to be discovered if you're in a bangalore or a delhi or a mumbai uh, similarly if you're going public you will go public on uh, indian stock exchange it's an nse in mumbai or the nyse in new york right so you can't avoid these sort of uh, in traditional structures of of uh, these milestones that you want uh, so yeah i think the relevance uh, is going to be there i think the hype value should go down but relevance is going to be there right. so you don't have to be in silicon valley to get a job anymore Correct. but you may have to be in silicon valley to found a iconic right. company and have it get discovered got it okay what is the future relevance of email newsletters oh diminishing uh especially as all the things we just spoke about right email newsletters are great uh, for compounded sort of a, a bunch of information to digest at once but they are not built for the up and coming short form short way short uh, term attention span audience by and large the world is becoming uh, 15 seconds of video and audio uh, consumers there are i don't well the data may, you know might there are a lot of old folks like us uh, <laughs> sorry harish to put you in the same bucket no, no, i'm happy to be uh, there <laughs> there are there's going to time there's going to come a time in the world there are when there are a lot more younger folks and that's happening sooner than you think and uh, those guys don't want to read uh, an email newsletter they rather just consume the same thing in a 15 second video right okay and and final question i think the most relevant one today what is the future relevance of podcasts oh thriving i would say uh, future relevance of podcasts is uh, looking good uh, more because again uh, we are we are the newsletter of the audio and video world if you think about it right we are the weekly or monthly or biweekly uh, show which someone wants to listen to and tune in while they're doing something else right they passive listening podcasting is you know driving chores whatever have you uh, if you are a pro podcast listener you probably listen at 1.2x or 1.5x so one <laughs> x becomes this a, is a pain actually <laughs> exactly one x who wants like i've had people who've told me that i can't talk to humans anymore because it's only one x <laughs> and uh, so i don't want i don't want to go there but uh, i think we are the newsletter of the new world we are the one we are the compendium at the end of the week which someone wants to listen to and absorb when they are at leisure 
uh, or when they're out for a run or for a jog or for you know as a as passive listening but when i'm active listening i want to just like tap 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 swipe right swipe right swipe right and get through my news for the day and or the latest updates for the day so i think podcasts will only thrive so yes uh, let's let's all keep uh, doing that yeah on that note chiradite i think we we covered a whole range of topics from podcasting the art of podcasting how to get better there uh, to you know your personal journey uh, getting into clever tap what how things have evolved in the sales and marketing space for clever tap so we covered a whole range of topics and i think yeah, uh, yeah. Again, we are like heading towards the future of work future of everything uh, and uh, hopefully podcast remain relevant as as you no, no. mentioned if not we will evolve i'm sure yes <laughs> we have if it in us uh, might as we might as well do it we we were we started off doing something which most people weren't doing uh, i'm sure we will evolve yeah don't worry harish me and you are we have a job yet <laughs> yes yes <laughs> on that note thanks a lot chinaditya this was a, a fantastic conversation thank you so much for having me arish it was a really good chat uh, and thank you to you know the whole team uh, for you know uh, doing what you're doing uh, and you know creating great content if you like this we know you care about your and your team's future relevance you can find us and now click on the subscribe button on youtube spotify google and apple podcasts you can also find us on twitter linkedin facebook and instagram there are two ways to enter the insider group of friends of ctq a telegram channel where you get daily tidbits that help you think about future relevance and our weekly email newsletter called the upleveler got some fabulous testimonials from our subscribers We share special discount codes for CTQ compounds and exclusive invitations to our events on both these channels. Just go to choosetothink.com. That is think with a Q, and you will find all the links to subscribe. You owe it to yourself.